Good evening, listeners, and you're welcome along to the first Across the Line of 2024 with myself, Paul Carroll, on this January the 5th, 2024. And on this week's edition of the show, we're going to be looking ahead to Sunday's game between Tipperary and Watford in the Munster Hurling League. We're also going to be looking back on Tipperary versus Kerry in the McGrath Cup. That game was on on Wednesday evening. We're going to be looking back on that game. And we're going to be debuting a new feature on the show that's going to be on the show for the next while. It's called The Sporting Edge. And it's going to be looking at different Tipperary sports people and uh, just kind of chatting uh, through their sport with them and uh, how they are in their sporting life. So the first uh, person on the sporting edge is going to be Orla O'Dwyer. So we're going to be chatting to her later in the show. And uh, we're also going to be getting our weekly Greyhound update from Barry Drake. So plenty to look forward to over the next hour or so. Hopefully you can stay tuned in and uh, we'll try and preview all the sport happening in Tipperary this weekend. But of course, there's nowhere else to start but the Tipperary Senior Hurling Team. They're in action as I said on Sunday at 2 o'clock down in Fraher Field in Dungarvan against Watford. The game will be live here on Tip FM with thanks to Casey Tiles and Wooden Floors in Care. So to look ahead to that game, I'm delighted to say I'm joined on the line by Head of Sport at the Nina Gargan, Shane Brophy. Shane, you're welcome back to the show. Hi Paul, happy new year. Yeah, many happy returns Shane and it's uh, here we are the first weekend of January really and the Tipperary Senior Hurlers are out. Um, I was reading a piece in the on the GA's website, it's a, a feature on Grodo O'Connor and uh, it just interested me how it started. It says kind of uh, that, you know, what can we expect from Tipperary this year? Even their own supporters aren't entirely sure. The optimists will say that if they can improve by the same margin in 2024 that they did in 2023, they'll be genuine contenders and the pessimists will say they simply don't have the quality in the panel that they did uh, in 2019 so Liam Cowell will find it difficult uh, to ring any more from his charges where do you kind of lie if that's the two spectrums or, or is that the, the two ends of the spectrum we're going on where where do you think you kind of lie as we kind of look ahead to a tip in 2024 I, I think there's probably there's elements of, of both um, like there's no doubt in 2019 look we had probably one of our great teams and we had some of the, the finest sports talents we ever had in our disposal Parag Maher and Brendan Maher, Seamus Callanan, and I suppose um, Bar- <coughs> like Noel McGrath and uh, Patrick Bonner Maher, it's it's nearly coming to an end for a lot of that team. But look, it's time for a new team to establish itself. And look, there's while the manner of how did the championship finish for Tip last year was very very disappointing. You think on the whole, look, last year was an improvement um, massively. And like look, we we beat Clare in. And Ennis, and we drew with Limerick, arguably the two best teams in the country last year. So you think if Tipperary could just fix the the few problems, maybe that that uh, surfaced against Waterford and and um, and Galway, and again, as, as you mentioned, that piece find that, uh, another level of improvement. Like there's no reason why Tip, I suppose, uh, something that I uh, said in my was my season preview in the paper this week was that I think minimum target for this year would be getting back to Crow Park, which will be for an All-Ireland semi-final. I think the versus were well overdue that, but look, it's it can be easier said than done, particularly with that bare pit of, of Munster trying to get out of that again. Yeah, it's going to be uh, similar to last year, uh, uh, just a bare pit, as you put it there, to the Munster Championship. But that's a, a, another few months, I think it's April 28th, Tipper first out in that. So mm-hmm. Liam Cowell and Co. will have uh, time to slowly build up towards that and build up towards the league. And I suppose this is what this Munster Hurling League is kind of there to to do, uh, to facilitate some early season games. So 
results of these games, you know, people might remember who Tip played last year in these games. They actually lost to Waterford on the first time out. But where do you think, uh, what do you think Liam Callow will be looking to achieve from these, uh, let's say there's this Munster Hurling League campaign over the next couple of weeks? Oh, I suppose it, I suppose and foremost is probably just to get get players back on the field uh, and get them back playing again. Um, I suppose there'll probably be I would like to think maybe you could go back to last year. There'll, there'll probably be a, a good strong core of of good I suppose of strength and maybe the blending maybe maybe a couple of uh, younger players. I suppose that the the hardest thing to the most the the worst thing you could do with players trying to establish themselves is maybe put them all out together and then they maybe struggle whereas you just need a bit of a helping hand along the way. So um I, I think it'll just be fascinating to see who 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 could make the breakthrough because I think I don't think there'll be too many changes from from last year's panel. Okay, we we've we've lost the, the likes of Seamus Callanan and Nilo Maris for retirement, so there too and um but after that and maybe with the few players that were maybe were let go before the start of the championship, like you're probably only talking about maybe six, seven, maybe eight spots that that are open. But I suppose from that you would be hoping maybe two or three players not only would I suppose become what would you say that would be really knocking on the door come championship. You're really looking for that. I suppose for any any team, you're really hoping for that, those one or two players that could make the difference as the year goes on that maybe we haven't seen over the last couple of years. Yeah, and um, I'll reflect back <coughs> to that piece on, on the GA.he's website. It's by John Harrington and mm-hmm. features with Grodo O'Connor and Grodo is, is kind of speaking that a, a lot of players you know, got first championship experience really last year and like to reflecting back, like you, you'd nearly even forget. Like you know, there's a lot of lads in there who had no prior championship experience from la- until last year, so that's kind of a, a boost to the panel. That here we have just more experience in the panel and just a, a kind of more more established players in the panel compared to where we were last year. Given, of course, obviously the loss of as you mentioned, uh, Seamus Callan and, and Nilo Meyer like that, but. The fact that some of the younger players, and particularly the ones that have won with Liam Cal before, have championship experience, they'll probably feel that they can push it on to another level here this year. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. You can easily forgotten like the amount of new players that were bedded in last year. You have uh, Shelley, Johnny Ryan, um, Craig Morgan would be effectively a new player back this year. If I think that he missed most of most of last year, like Alan Tynan got his first championship year on his work road O'Connor, so. Like, um, like the, the lot, a lot of the groundwork has been done, and look, I suppose, I suppose a country like Tipperary, you're probably you're not given much leeway in terms of bedding in. But like Liam Cahill has got his first year out of the way. I suppose there will be more, uh, slightly more pressure around this year. I suppose to, uh, I suppose definitely to to build on last year and then improving that quarter final performance. And um, I do, I do think, in the short term, I think a, a league campaign is probably there for the take and I wouldn't say that to win but it would be one where Tip could look to maybe try and get as far as the final considering they're not they're, they're the odd team out in the first round of Munster you think Tip getting to a league final in early April and then probably having three weeks to get ready for Munster whereas all the other teams might have only two if they got to a, a league final so I would have thought uh, getting as far as they can in the National League would certainly be uh, the, the initial target from, from the National League yeah, and, and looking ahead to uh, Sunday now against Watford, two o'clock down in Friarfield and Dungarvan. Again, live here on Tip FM with thanks to Casey Tiles and Wooden Floors in Care. 
Um, Tips played Waterford in the first game of the Munster Hurling League last year and just looking at some of the names on the, the team sheet that day Reese Shelley started in goals and uh, Power Campion started Paddy Cadell was in there uh, Joe Fogarty started that game Paddy Creedon started that game uh, Keno Dwyer come on Johnny Ryan come on Jack Ryan come on and uh, Grolo O'Connor come on as well so there was a there was a lot of people given a chance um, that day against Waterford and a lot of those names I mentioned were featured in the championship as well come down to the to the end of the season. Um, who are you kind of looking forward to maybe seeing that hasn't featured last year? Any new names you're looking forward to uh, possibly seeing here come uh, Sunday? Yeah, I suppose, I suppose the names you mentioned there, I suppose to him it's interesting to think that two of them feature for the footballers uh, uh, on Wednesday night, Paddy Greedon and um, Shane Neville. Uh, Shane Neville, like, so just shows you, like, uh, he, once you get in, like, he, 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 I suppose there's not an awful lot of ground in time. You either make your impact or you don't. So, yeah, there would be, um, I suppose, the likes of Andrew Ormond. I suppose he'd be, he'd be, he would be one. Um, I'd be looking forward to seeing him. I've been a big fan of his, and, like, he, he was very, he featured a lot for Liam Cahill's underage team. So, I think he, he would offer something different. He's low centre of gravity, real nippy sort of a forward that we don't sort of don't have um, uh, <clears throat> over the last couple of years. Just to give us an extra string to our boy, I thought that a couple of Kiladangan players, you probably look like Billy Seymour. It'd be interesting to see how he, so he's hitting what twenty three, twenty four years of age now. He'd you'd easily forget how it's his five year. We're heading into the fifth year since that under twenty championship victory. So the likes of him and maybe the likes of Sean Hayes really. <clears throat> you're hoping to see them maybe make, make an impact as well and then look maybe I mentioned the guys like Johnny Ryan and, and Craig Morgan who probably effectively have only had one season so far you're good for them to, to, to kick on as well and then um, what have we learned from, from last year Will is Michael Breen still the, the number one choice for full back is could, could potentially Cahill Barrack open the forwards after we've seen him so effective at club level for Holy Cross. So um, just be different things like could Noel McGrath have find himself a new role even as a as a sweeper. Like it'd be interesting to see whether we see um, certain things maybe tried over the next couple of weeks. I suppose when you look at a Waterford team who are, do like to sort of play a plus one or a sweeper, that whether uh, <clears throat> Noel might be get some game time there. But then. You would think of like Noel and Bonner Maher maybe would be maybe spared until the summer or when I suppose to keep them as fresh as possible. We saw how good Noel McGrath was at the, <clears throat> at the start of the championship last year, but as the as the as it moved on, he became less in the picture. Maybe the, the uh, those long campaigns counted against him. So maybe um, maybe it's a be about uh, um, less is more for the likes of Noel McGrath and Bonner Maher mm. looking into the championship. Yeah, no, it's uh, there's a, a lot of unknowns, I suppose, uh, as we look ahead to to Sunday and the the season in general. But that makes for a a lot of excitement, and I for one, I'm look, very much looking forward to heading down to to Dungarvan on on Sunday. But uh, Shane, we will uh, catch up uh, later in the year, no doubt, and I'll be seeing you at all the games anyway. But thanks a million for joining us on across the line. Cheers. Shane Brophy there from the Nina Gargen looking ahead to Sunday's game, 2 o'clock throw-in time in Dungarvan down in Fraherfield and we'll be there live coverage here on Tip FM with thanks to Casey Tiles and Wooden Floors in care. Now, if you want to know the Tipperary team for Sunday, well, it's going to be announced live on air here on Tip FM this evening from half past eight. The uh, Tipperary club draw is on in the Miners' Rest in Ballangarry. Stephen Gleeson will be there uh, covering it for Tip FM and uh, Jonathan Cullen, the Tipperary GA PRO, will announce 
the Tipperary team for Sunday live on that show. So half past eight start time for the Tipperary club draw and tune in if you want to hear the tip team for Sunday as well. So we're going to take our first ad break. After the ad break, we're going to be looking back at the Tipperary footballers first outing of the year. And we're also going to be talking to Orlo Dwyer later in the show. So stay tuned and uh, we'll be back after these. And you're very welcome back to part two of Across the Line here on Tip FM with myself, Paul Carlin, this Friday, the 5th of January, 2024. Now, uh, even though it is only the 5th of January, we're going to look back on a game that's already happened this year on Wednesday. The Tipperary senior footballers had their first outing of the year under new manager Paul Kelly. It was down in Tralee against Kerry, always going to be a difficult task. Tipperary were defeated 320 to 10 points on the night. And to look back on that game, I'm delighted to say I'm joined on the line by Tipperary football analyst Anthony Shelley. Anthony, you're very welcome back to the show. Yeah, thanks, Paul. Happy New Year to you. Yeah, and many happy returns, uh, Anthony. It's uh, good to have you on, and it's mad here that it's what the, the 5th of January when we're talking about uh, uh, reflecting back on a game already, but uh, such is the, the calendar that uh, the games are already um, coming up thick and fast now for tip football, and it was Paul Kelly's first game on Wednesday night as the tip football manager. It was a, it was always going to be a tough affair down in Tralee against Kerry. Um, 3.20 to 10 points had finished. Just uh, your overall kind of uh, takeaways, what did you make of the, the game itself? Yeah, um was the first half that we were um, we played with breeze we were competitive enough and um, like after getting off to a really bad start I mean Kerry's first two two scores within the first five minutes were, were two goals but uh, that was all that separated the sides at, at half time like I think it went in um, two seven to seven so we, we competed uh, well enough in the, in the first half um, the second half I suppose there was subs being brought on. Kerry made a raft of subs at at, at, at half time, and uh, got a, it took them. I think we after after ten or twelve minutes in the second half, Kerry still hadn't scored. But then, um, then they settled down and just ran out easy winners in the end. But uh, look, overall, you're not going to to judge Tipperary on the on a McGrath Cup game in the in the at the beginning of January. Uh, but but overall, I'd say for what Paul Paul Kelly would have been looking for, he he'd have been encouraged enough about it. He had a few new players in there that um, I suppose he still hasn't finalised the league panel, and have you, he he gave a few players uh, a chance to put their hands up for, to to stick playing for that league for a place on the league panel, and um, you know the likes of Stephen Grogan, Rory O'Donnell, Jack Kennedy, Kieran Coslow, and Shane Neville come on as a sub there as well. Uh, they did themselves no harm at all, like, and um, they put it themselves quite well. So, yeah, well, overall, you you wouldn't look at the scoreline because you'd you'd expect Kerry to be to to be um to be that little bit ahead of us, particularly when we were so late in making a, making an appointment and we wouldn't have an awful lot done. So, yeah, it would be a encouraging enough start. I was more encouraged. I was a little bit worried beforehand, uh, you know, because we've lost a, a a lot of players that. Are going to be hard to replace this year. Like the likes of Coleman Kennedy is gone. Michael O'Reilly, the goalkeeper, Kevin Faye and and, um, and Lee McGrath. I mean, four players that went fit are four 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 definite starters. And uh, you'd be worried how are we going to replace them? And I wasn't seeing it before last night, but I'm a little bit more encouraged after seeing last night. 
Yeah, and that, that's uh, those those names are definitely not a part of the panel this year, as far as you as far as um, you're aware of, anyway. No, no, um, definitely not. Coleman, Lean, and, and Kevin have um, have stepped away from it, and I think Michael O'Reilly is. Um, Michael, Michael O'Reilly's gone travelling for the year, so he won't be he 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 will miss miss the whole season. He won't be back till the end of next year, I believe. Yeah, and that is kind of a saw Evan Comerford come back into the fray who had been out for the last couple of years so uh, probably not a bad kind of replacement to come back in someone who's had bags of experience uh, in there yeah yeah I mean Evan had lost his place to Michael O'Reilly and um, you know would have been fighting out for number two spot with uh, with, with Cuba, Cuba but then uh, Cuba has actually gone on on a tour of duty in the lab with the army so so we were left in, with a with a with a place to, to fill there and you know you were wondering if if Evan had stepped away for good but um, you know I suppose when the chance to be number one again presented itself uh, Evan put his hand up and uh, you know fair play to, to Paul Kelly and probably Paul, Paul Fitzgerald had a lot to do with it about in getting them back and uh, I noticed our, our backup keeper who I'm sure we'll see during this McGrath Cup is uh, Jack Rogers from there so it'll be interesting to see Jack has temporary connections I believe his father's from Cashel so it'll be interesting to see what Jack is like when he um, when he does get his chance. But uh, at least if, if Paul Kelly is brought in, yes, he must he, he must rate him, and uh, sure we all know what Evans' quality. So uh, at least we have the goalkeeping position kind of tied down, which would have been a worry maybe in November. Who's going to who's going to play in goal for Tipton? Yeah, and maybe another kind of a worry that could be brought up as well is um, like and you mentioned it there with the losing the likes of Coleman and and Lee McGrath, especially in terms of scores, that who's going to do the scoring for Tipperary this year? I know Connor Sweeney seems to be coming back into to fitness. He'll obviously be a huge boost after missing last year. But uh, Shawnee O'Connor is someone that everyone in, in tip football is excited about as as a kind of a prospect. And uh, God, I thought he was very impressive, particularly in the first half last night. I think he finished up with eight of Tipperary's 10 points. Um, I, th- I think it was a two from play, a mark and a, a couple of frees to go with that as well. But if Tipper to to do well in Division Four this year, Shawnee O'Connor is going to have to be ha- having a good year. Is is probably how you how you might see it. Good, yeah. I mean, Sean Sean's been a good player for a long time. Um, uh, I always thought he benefited from having the like having the likes of Conor Sweeney and Michael Quinlan when he came onto the scene first. I always thought Sean he was better coming onto the second ball, but um. You know, uh, uh, as his career has progressed, he's actually um, become quite a good, quite a good ball winner as well. Like, um, you know, eight points from ten, he, he was definitely earning at a match last night. But I mean, going forward, he's going to need. Uh, you know, it would be too easy for teams to look sure if we if we merge on O'Connor. Um, tip tip won't score enough. To, tip won't score enough to beat us, and uh, it'd be a fair enough assessment at the moment. So. Uh, Connor Sweeney, I don't know how far it off. I presume we won't see Connor till some part of the part of the league. Uh, but um, you know, it'll be a chance for the likes of uh, Jack Hendy, Jack from Jacob Rackham's that is, Green Quigley and and these lads to put their hands up to play. And Paddy Creighton played well last night as well. For in, in patches, started off got a great point starting off. A great point to start off. Yeah, it's kind of yeah, like whoa, here we go. This is exactly what we kind of need. Kind of yeah, and, and I think he was involved in the ne- in the next point as well that he he won the free, uh, or he, he won the ball that laid it off to Johnny O'Connor that got fouled for. So um, you know, Paddy could be the perfect foil with with Shawnee. and then you know, as I said, Connor coming back or, or Jack Hindley or Ian Quigley, you know, you, you'd be hopeful. But I mean, it, it, every forward depends on fast ball. And I suppose the one, if we had a criticism last night, 
was that uh, particularly in the second half we stopped that deliver, delivering in the, the fast ball I know we were against the wind but uh, we we were, we were carrying and allowing allowing carry to allowing carry to get back behind us in numbers and once they shut off uh, Sean O'Connor should be only scored three points in the second half so um, that 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 will be a worry so we will need all those forwards fit and um, yeah, uh, I suppose when the likes of Jack Kendy and Conal Kendy and uh, Stephen O'Brien come back in around the middle, it will help us speed up the ball through the middle third. Yeah, so it's a. Uh... As is kind of always the case with, with the tip footballers, is availability of all our best players will be, will be key to the success of the season. Really, as we saw last year, missing a lot, a lot of players uh, throughout the league campaign and things like that def- definitely didn't help. But uh, going forward now, next up for tip is Limerick on the fourteenth. That's in Temple Tuhi, uh two o'clock on that on that Sunday, uh, the fourteenth. That's in the McGrath Cup as well. And then it's uh, Carlo on the twenty seventh of January is the start of the league. So it's not too far away around the corner. You're only looking at about three weeks until the start of the league, so um, no, yeah, and we, we we will need to tie down a few things before that. Like, I mean, particularly on the uh, on our own kickouts, we have a lot of work to do on that. Like, I mean, we went along with um, we had twenty eight kickouts in the game last night, but we went along with um, with with seventeen of them, uh, and lost nine at all seventeen. Like, so when you're losing more than fifty percent of your long kickout, is giving the opposition a serious platform to. Um, to attack us, we kind you know, of looked outmatched in that middle third for those kickouts, especially with, like did, when Paulie yeah. Fian went off. Do you know, Teddy yeah, Doyle isn't someone who's going to rise above uh, big intercounty midfielders to win kickouts. Really, that's not really his game. So, kind that's of the, really the size of bodies around the middle of the field is important. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Teddy would be midfield. You know, come 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 the. Um, I thought he was very very good last night, but um, uh, I don't I don't think he he, he will be midfield come to, come come the league. I think he'll be more see Teddy in the half forward line. Um, yeah, and, and the other side of it, which is probably more worrying, is one that's easy correct, is that we conceded all our kickouts, all the Kerry kickouts last night, and um, it, it's you know it, it's a crazy tactic against a team that can play football. Um, uh, I'm not sure. That I think Kerry had about 14 kickouts last night. We conceded for all 14. Like when I say conceded, like we dropped back off the 60 outside the 65 meter line. And just let Kerry kick it to the fullback or the quarterback, or sometimes even had the, had the wing back. But that particular tactic cost us two six on the scoreboard. You know, so like I mean, I know you might be doing that against the likes of Carlo and Leash and these teams that should be playing in London in, in Division Four. But um, you know, it, probably I'd like to see it against Limerick. To, I hope that's not going to be a tactic for the year that we're going to concede the kick out and, and try to strip them let, further down the field because um, that's not what we're actually good at. You know, we're not Tyrone or Donegal or teams that can do that. Like we need to push up and try to spook the opposition keeper. We had Kerry Keeper making his debut last night and we made it very, very easy for him and it cost us two six directly um, from the Kerry kick out that we conceded and uh, you know that Going forward, uh, hopefully that's that's one that we'll correct against Limerick, and we'll push up and try try put um, a small bit of pressure on the opposition kickout. Because if you can go if you can go after the opposition kickout and win a few of them, you know uh, you might only get a point for. But sometimes you know the benefit of, of winning the opposition kickout can sometimes be worth more than what you see on the scoreboard. Like it can really lift the team. 
Yeah, so uh, the the intercounty season is up and running. So uh, Anthony will be having you on uh, plenty over the next uh, couple of months. All going well. So um, we will chat to you probably after that Limerick game uh, or before that Limerick game, maybe in two weeks' time. But uh, until then, thanks for joining us on across line, Anthony. Yeah, no problem, Paul. Thanks a million. Bye. And many thanks to Anthony Shelley there looking back on what was a, a disappointing result for the Tipperary senior footballers, no doubt, but uh, plenty still to look forward to for Paul Kelly and his charges in 2024. So now, just before we take our second ad break of the night, some of the other sport happening around the Premier County this weekend. Of course, there's no AIL rugby until next weekend, so uh, Clamel, Cashel and Nina have another uh, week of rest and recovery before that season gets back up and running next weekend. Of course, Nina and Cashel playing each other next Saturday uh, in Nina in the reverse fixture. Uh, in soccer this weekend, uh, the main game of the weekend is actually a clash between the NTNDL and TSDL as Killavilla host Peak Villa in the Munster Junior Cup fifth round. So this is the last 16. Uh, so the winner there on Sunday at 2 o'clock, Killavilla uh, hosting Peak Villa. The winner there goes into the last eight of the Munster Junior Cup and the draw for that is actually on Monday at half past 12. So there'll definitely be one of those teams in it and uh, that game, as I said, takes place Sunday at 2 o'clock. So we're going to take a quick ad break now and we're going to be speaking to Orlo Dwyer and also looking ahead to the weekend's Greyhound Racing after these. And you're very welcome back to the third and final part of Across the Line here on Tip FM with myself, Paul Carroll, on this Friday, the 5th of January 2024. Now, as I said earlier in the show, we're going to be debuting a new feature here that is going to be on the show for the best part of the next uh, six, seven months. It's called The Sporting Edge, and every week we're going to look at a different Tipperary sporting person and just have a chat with them about how they're getting on in their said sport. So to debut this week, I'm delighted to say uh, I'm going to be joined by Orla O'Dwyer, of course, former Tipperary jewel snare in Camogie and Ladies Football, but now playing her trade down in Australia with the Brisbane Lions, where she recently won her second AFLW Grand title. So I caught up with Orla yesterday. So let's hear from that conversation right now. The Sporting Edge on Tip FM. Funded by Commission Naman. Sound and Vision Round 50. Tip FM. Building resilient communities in County Tipperary. So joining me now to uh, reflect on the year gone by and look ahead to the year ahead is uh, Tipperary's uh, Orla O'Dwyer. Orla, thanks a million for joining us on the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I know. It's great to have you on, Orla. You've had, a, I suppose, congratulations are in order as well um, uh, for yourself. We can, the second uh, AFLW grand title for yourself with the Brisbane Lions. You were also awarded the uh, the Tip FM Sports Star of the Month for December. So uh, that's uh, maybe just a, a little bit smaller of an honour. But uh, yeah, it's your second title down in Brisbane. Just how was the, the season gone by and uh, how, how was it for you getting that second title? Yeah, it was a fantastic season. Um, really memorable. Um, I think especially after losing the grand final in 2022 last year and to get back there this year and to get over the line and win it was um, just phenomenal. We lost a few players um, due to different teams and expansion the year before. So the, we were kind of written off from the start and underdogs, um, which actually suits us well. But yeah, no, it's such a great day. Um, great season and a lot of celebrations done after but yeah I think it makes us more hungry now coming into this next year as well yeah and just looking at it from the outside you look like a team that is very kind of close together there's a good bond there with a lot of the players who've who've been there the last kind of couple of years you've been there since was it 2020 now at this stage yeah so it's my um fourth or fifth season this year um and yeah it's like it's been mainly the same core group which I think is a huge advantage when it comes to these games um kind of not as it's kind of a bit different with, with regards to GA whereas you're playing once you start the season you're playing every 
weeks or 10 weeks of games and then four weeks of finals. So it's pretty intense and there's a lot of training and meeting up with everyone on the team. So um, we do really like that we all get on really well. I live with a couple of teammates as well. And we'd also joke that on our days off, we end up meeting up with each other for coffee or go to the beach or whatever it is. So I think having that bond and just knowing that everyone's out there to support each other is definitely an advantage. And um, we could see that through the final stages of um, the campaign. Yeah, and like I've a lot that I, I want to, to ask you about the whole lifestyle and things like that of living down there and, and being a, a professional athlete. So like it's, it's it's probably since you've gone down there, the whole thing has kind of gone up a few levels in terms of players are, are getting paid more. There's better conditions. It's becoming a bigger kind of sport down in Australia by all accounts. Um, have you noticed that change from when you first went down there to what it's like now? Is it a kind of a, a bigger thing now? Yeah, definitely. Like um, this year was only the eighth season of the whole AFLW competition. So it is very new compared to the AFL men's, um, which started back in 1900s, whatever it was. So um, it's pretty relatively new comp. And I think that's really to be part of that in the last couple of years, seeing the exponential growth that it has. Like we had in 2022 was probably the biggest year in the AFLW as they're announced the CBA, the bargaining agreement announced a 94% salary increase across the board. We had 18 teams in the comp, like the men's. Um, there's just been additional resources and more training hours and, and just a lot more that makes it more like a professional sport, which I think um, is a huge advantage to us players. And you can spend this extra time whether it's discussing with line coaches or seeing nutritionists or dietitianists or a big thing this year, sports psychologists, which we had in. So having all these extra resources has definitely um, helped the game. And I think this year as well, 2023, on top of that 94% increase, there's been a 23% increase and extra games as well. So we had 10 games and four weeks of finals this year, whereas next year it goes to 11 games and then four weeks finals and 12, 13 as the years develop. So they have a new kind of four-year plan um and it's it's really great especially for younger players coming in and a big thing that each club has started doing now is they have an underage academy where they bring in players from 16 17 18 year olds and they kind of train them they have been at a couple of our sessions and they get used to that professional lifestyle whether it's the gym or if it's our training with us or coming along to games and just really buying into the whole experience but yeah, no, it's definitely one that I love being part of and um, it's one that I, I think I thrive in as well. And um, just, yeah, being a professional athlete has been, um, it's been great. Yeah, and is this, this is, so this is full time, like there's no, I, I can't remember, was I talking, was it to yourself or Ashley McCarthy a couple of years ago, there was a bit of part-time work going on while training, but is it is it full time now at the minute? Um, Definitely, I, I think it just depends on the individual herself. Um. Like a lot of girls on our team, sorry, <clears throat> are still working away um, more part-time. We have a couple doing full-time. Um, we have a few physios, teacher, some are working in the academies with as SNC coaches or coaches themselves. Um, so it kind of just depends on what the person wants. Like I know in my house, a lot of us, we don't work and um, we kind of fill our days doing other things, whether it's recovery or if it's meeting line coaches or little things like that. Whereas I know other clubs, especially in Melbourne, a lot of them do work. So I think it just depends on what the team is and, and what, what your living arrangements is or, or what, what you want to do as well. So I wouldn't say it's fully full time yet. There's definitely a lot of people who are still working, but um, I'm lucky enough that I'm in the position that um, I chose not to work and I'm, I'm studying away as well. So 
it's kind of good having the balance between those two. Okay, yeah. So you you have uh, is it a um, your degrees from UL? You're doing are you kind of furthering that at the minute? Is it? Um, well, I was doing that here in Ireland, and I kind of took um, I deferred it for two years and didn't go back doing it. And I'm actually over in Australia now doing an online course with Griffith University doing um business degrees majoring in sports management so I'm only doing a part-time especially as the season gets um busier and and our pre-season's pretty hectic as well so mm. it's nice just having something on the side to do and I know a lot of a lot of the girls are studying as well so it's good um just just having something else I suppose yeah yeah and um you kind of mentioned their recovery and uh kind of taken up a lot of your time and just from seeing on, on social media that seems to be a, a big part of of your team anyway in recovery and um that's probably an, another element that has come in from the professionalism of everything and, and the time that you have maybe to to do these things but um what's kind of your main recovery um sessions that you do and uh, how beneficial are they um yeah it's obviously a huge part of it especially as i said clean every week you kind of bodies get sore towards middle of the season so it's important to keep on top of it and um our club Brisbane Lions just has a new facility opened up in 2022 so before we used to um drive to different areas for our gym and our and our um, main training session and recovery now whereas now we're all under the kind of one umbrella with the men's AFL as well and we're in this one big massive kind of um, B- um, BHA and um, Brighton's home arena and all our recovery stuff is there and all our gym and all the field sessions there as well so there's ice baths there's sa- saunas there's um, Norma techs people put on their legs and I think a big part of our group is a lot of us do like reformer Pilates as well um, and it's just kind of taken off the boxes that way uh, along with your nutrition sleep and um it's just well executed across the whole club and there's definitely a lot of um i've i found this year anyway since being in that facility that there's a lot more people taking on board the recovery and, and really focusing on it yeah and, and like the lifestyle down in australia of course nice weather things like that but there's there's a lot of there's a lot of people um probably for our age that are down in australia at the moment and uh moving down there so it probably makes maybe just living down there a little bit easier because there's so many people down there but there's more and more uh, Irish um, AFLW players going down there we saw three from Tipperary go down uh, for the last season Ashley Maloney and Neve Martin and Anna Rose Kennedy did uh, any of those girls get in contact uh, with yourself maybe before going down or f- looking for advice uh, um, before before they made the, the big move to, to the other side of the world essentially um yeah um I kind of had a um a rough idea of the girl, of the shift girls that were going as well so um was talking to like the likes of Ash Maloney and um a couple of those too because I've played football with with all of them actually mm. so um yeah it's great to see and I think um they obviously got on really well Geelong down there with Anna Rose as well and Ashton got to prelim final and Neve Martin as well played against her in the grand final so um, yeah, it's definitely becoming a lot bigger. And I think across the whole competition, there's a lot more Irish girls interested. And there's nearly one on every team at the moment. So it's always nice after games going up and having a quick chat with them um, in that regard. And a big help for me this year was having um, Jennifer Dunn from Dublin come and join the Irish. I'm to join Brisbane Lions as well. So I was living with her. And just to have that kind of Irish person as well there, I know a lot of Irish people don't usually go to Brisbane they more head towards the Melbourne Sydney's and, and Perth areas so it was nice in that regard to have um, another Irish person there and just kind of 
felt like a home away from home away as well. So mm. yeah, no, it's it's great, and I think there'll be a lot more Irish um in the next coming seasons come over too. Yeah, it's probably nice to have that another Irish person which I'm um, kind of reminding of home but talking of home and uh, you know sports has obviously been a big part of your whole life with yeah. being camogie and uh, ladies football with <coughs> tip do, do you miss those sports would you see yourself coming back to them uh, down the line or, or where are you with kind of ladies football and camogie yeah definitely I think every time I come back around Christmas time um, within the first two days I'm, I'm getting out the hurley and I'm talking and the same with wanting to go see my brothers um, if they have any matches on or anything or just go out and see some some sort of training. Um, it's a huge part of, I suppose, what I've been doing for years. And um, it's something that I still take privilege in and proud of as well, even if I'm having to watch my brothers play a challenge match or whatever it is. It's something that I just love seeing. And even a couple of um, the Aussie girls came over last um, Christmas and one came over as well this Christmas as well and just bringing them to um, I suppose show what I've been brought up to like um, hurling matches and daily football matches it just makes me really proud um, to be Irish and to show them that and I think with myself I think I'll always have that as well and um, I think in a couple of years definitely down the line I'd love to go back and play with with hip um, Camogie football if that, if that does line up with me but I think at the moment um with having such an intense schedule over in Australia and wanting to commit fully to um, that pre-season and season. I think it's just um, hard to, to do the both while you're here. Mm. So I know at, at some stages in the past couple of years, I came over here and played for a bit, but then kind of left early, which I don't want to do again. So I think I was going to stay away from it and kind of be more of a fan this year and just see what happens and head back to Australia um, a couple of months before pre-season and just get right, set right back into that. But no, it's great. And I think I even had my mom during the year send over some Hurleys and Slishers over and we brought them around um, over in Australia just, just to feel a sense of home as well. And I've watched a lot of the games too. So I think that's always a huge part of my journey and, and something I'm definitely still proud of. Yeah, no, that's completely understandable as well. Being being a, a professional athlete so far away as well, it, it's nigh on impossible to even attempt balance the two. But um, looking ahead now to, to the year or to the year coming um, in 2024, you're on a bit of a off season at the minute. You're back home here in Tipperary at the moment. Uh, what's the kind of outlook for the year? How does the kind of year plan out um, in terms of when he back, when he going to be back playing again? And, and how do you kind of plan for for the year ahead? Yeah, well, I'm actually yeah enjoying break back home. And I think it's kind of um, a good refresher as well. When I go back to Australia, having spent a couple of months at home, um, I have a sister living in Dubai. So me and my mom are going over there at the end of the month. And I think I'll probably head back around um, end of February time, depending. And we'll probably start our kind of pre-pre-season around March. And pre-season officially starts in May, which goes on for around 13 or 14 weeks. And then the season starts the end of August. And once you start, then it goes right up until finals, which is in the start of December. So um, I think now it's important to take that rest, refresh. Like a lot of girls go traveling and go abroad. Some go back home to where they're from. Some, I suppose, have injuries and need to get on top of that. So it's kind of like everyone doing their own thing at the moment and just doing what they need to do to feel refreshed um, when we do get back. So, yeah, it's pretty hectic um, towards the middle of this towards the middle of the year to the end of the year um, is probably our busiest time. But um, yeah, I'm just enjoying being back, meeting up with family, friends and um, a few trips planned as well. So that'll be nice to do in the coming um, months.
Yeah, well, we wish you all the very best of luck in uh, 2024. Uh, everyone here in Tipperary, of course, I'm, I'm sure you're aware, is uh, all, all behind you and uh, <laughs> wishing you the best in 2024 as well. So thanks a million, Orlo Dwyer, for joining us here and across the line. Perfect, and thanks so much for having me again. The Sporting Edge on Tip FM. Funded by Commission Naman, Sound and Vision Round 50. Tip FM, building resilient communities in County Tipperary. Yeah, great to hear from Orlo Dwyer there about all her success down in Australia. And as I said, we wish Orla all the very best of luck for 2024 and beyond that as well. So now, as always, at this time of the week on a Friday evening, it is time to talk dogs with Barry Drake. Tip FM's Greyhound Update in association with Greyhound Racing Ireland. Because this runs deep. So there's another really busy weekend of greyhound racing with so much to look forward to around the country. We're going to concentrate on local action and start with Clonmel tonight, of course. They get underway there at 7.30. An interesting runner here in race number seven. This is the home of the Project Stakes A5A 6525. And a chances we're taking here with trap number two, Kearney's Goldmine, who's owned by Dick Purcell and Francis Tobin and Turles, trained by Richard Purcell. Um, this July puppy... Uh, didn't get the clearest of runs on debut. That was around Kilkenny. It still managed to finish third. I thought it was a nice performance. And uh, with improvement expected from that debut debut experience, I thought Kearney's goldmine would take plenty of stopping there in that uh, seventh race there tonight at Clanmel. So that is certainly one to keep an eye on. Looks a nice youngster. And I'm sure he'll be winning plenty of races going forward. Moving on to Turles on Saturday night. Some good racing action to look forward to there. Getting underway at 7.35 at the Turles Greyhound Stadium. Uh, looking ahead to the card, the um, 11th race is a, an interesting race here. This is a, an A3, A4, 570-yard race. Um, a couple of minute chance here, but I'm going to go with uh, trap number three. Um, that's it Quiva who's got a couple of uh, good runs in the card in recent times um, it's owned by Liam Cahill, Cahill and uh, Tony Lacey there in um, Turles uh, it's won twice in the past uh, she's a nice sort and uh, I think it's a bit of a drop in class really and if producing her best running I think she'll take plenty of stopping she's a 28.94 winner around Clanmel around the standard distance so she's got some good form in the book and uh, I think a third career success there is on the cards for that's it Quiva back to Clanmel on Sunday night of course uh, big changes in Clanmel on Sunday night because it's their first night on the new SIS racing uh, system this will certainly prove uh, very beneficial um, to participants owners and trainers who will be uh, taking part in this weekly fixture uh, it's also going to be live on um, race uh, racing tv of course uh, greyhound tv and that of course is sky channel 427 it broadcasts uh, greyhound racing seven days a week and clanmail will be uh, live there on the channel every sunday night so that's going to be a fantastic addition uh, to the channel and i suppose a great opportunity for people who might be able to make the track to sit back and uh, enjoy live racing from clan mel um in terms of sunday night racing action uh looking ahead down into race number seven this is an a3 contest trap number one is an obvious uh, player emers dixie of course for emer dunn who does so well around the clan mel circuit that one 
has won 11 times in the past and should uh, go very well. Slaney said Ramsey is another one that's expected to feature, but I'm going to go with um, trap number four here. Manila at Rachel for James Kennedy, the trainer. It's won nine times. It's owned by Master Sean Bone in Clan Bell, and I just thought it might have an early pace uh, to get around in front, and if that was the case, uh, might just uh, get back to winning ways there and make the most of the A3 um, dropping class there so exciting times ahead um, certainly for Clanmel and uh, looking forward to watching that develop uh, in the coming weeks and coming months first race um, it has to be noted there in Clanmel on Sunday night gets underway there at the earlier start time of 6.29 some top class action around the country over the course of the weekend um, the uh, down in the Kingdom Greyhound Stadium in Tralee tonight you have the first round of the 5,000 jurors to the winner at Nolan CVRT Test Centre at Kerry Oaks we'll be talking more about that in the coming weeks no doubt because there is a bit of Tipperary interest down there uh, tonight switching our attentions to Shelburne Park um, on Saturday night what a year of racing of course we had at Shelburne Park uh, during the course of 2023 and I'm sure we'll have more of the same um, this year around of course the big race at the end of the year um, there was the Shelburne Park Christmas Oak 7,000 jurors to the winner that was won by Ratdown Molly uh, for Des and Maury Gilbert there um, a greyhound of course that had a big following and it was great to see her to go on and uh, win such a big event there at the end of the year as I said racing action of course some good action to look forward to there um, in um, Shelburne Park on Saturday night plenty of uh, Tipperary interest as well uh, it must be said uh, but one to keep an eye on there in um, um, Shelburne Park on Saturday night is Carrick Aldo um, a greyhound that contested all the big competitions uh, during 2023 trained by David Murray I thought that was the nap selection in the Happy New Year AAO 525 so we're looking forward to another busy and exciting year in the world of greyhound racing we've so much to look forward to uh, in the coming weeks and coming months no doubt it will be another highly successful uh, night for Tipperary or a year I should say for Tipperary owners and trainers because they really have dominated the sport in recent times and we're expecting more of the same this year just finally before we finish up uh, uh, Paul I would like to um, wish all your um, great listeners a happy new year and as I said look forward to uh, chatting again next week and many thanks as always to Barry Drake there giving us an update on all things Greyhound Racing in the Premier County and further field as well. So that's just about all we've got time for the first we are the first episode of the year is pretty much in the books. But a reminder to listeners, Sunday at two o'clock, Tipperary versus Watford in the Munster Hurling League is live here on Tip FM with thanks to Casey Tiles and Wooden Floors in care. Myself and Ken Hogan will be covering that game on Sunday afternoon. And if you want to find out the Tipperary team for Sunday's game, tune in to the Tipperary County Board draw, which is live on air this evening from the Rhines, or from the Miners' Rest in Ballangarry at half past eight. So it's going to be live here on Tip FM, the County Board draw half past eight this evening with the Tipperary team announcement as well during that coverage. So that pretty much does it for this evening's show. Many thanks to all my guests and uh, listeners for tuning in for this evening's show. We'll be back next Friday and uh, after the news, Carol Power is coming up as well. So stay tuned to Tip FM. And uh, yeah, we will talk to you on Sunday afternoon. Bye for now.